Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley and we've got to the end of the week. Unless you're the Prime Minister. Coming up on today's episode there, we're slightly step away from all of that. Uh, our big thing today is I've done a chat with Ben Elton. Friday Night Live is back on TV for the first time in donkey's years. And uh, I had a great chat with Ben about why he's very pleased he's going to be live, because at least I know who the Prime Minister is. Uh, we talk uh, champagne socialism and what he used to make of Margaret Thatcher, which politicians he has respect for, and uh, why he's not on social media in the age of cancelled culture. So that's coming up in just a moment. In a moment, we'll have our columnist panel. But normally on a Friday, we take a look back on what we learned this week. But as a special treat, we thought we'd take a look back on what we learned in the past 45 days. On day one, we learn that Liz Truss is no weather forecaster. I am confident that together we can ride out the storm. Uh, we learned at the Queen's funeral that she hadn't made much of an impression down under. No, hard to identify. Maybe uh, minor royals, members of the... I can't identify them we at this point. We can't spot everyone, no. unfortunately. I'm just told that was Liz Truss, the new Prime Minister, in the distance that we could see hopping out of that car. Yeah, then in week three, we learned that you shouldn't mess with BBC local radio presenters. I mean, it's hard to know what has fallen more since you entered uh, Downing Street, the value of the pound or the Tory poll rating. In week four, we learned that the lady was not for turning. Are you absolutely committed to abolishing the 45 pence tax rate for the wealthiest people in the country? Yes. And then she turned. Frankly, the 45p wasn't a priority policy. Uh, then in week five, we learned that things were so bad that Liz Truss was heading to the Commons Cafe to meet MPs for tea. Yorkshire tea! Uh, we learned that Liz Truss wanted to end the... Abacus economics that the Treasury orthodoxy has promoted for years. So she fired the Permanent Secretary of the Treasury and then replaced him with a young whippersnapper called James Bowler, who'd only worked at the Treasury for, uh 20 years. Uh, we learned that Liz Truss does have the power of self-criticism. Mr Speaker, I'm genuinely unclear. Uh, we learned that even King Charles was feeling sorry for her. Your Majesty, lovely to see you again. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Dear, dear. Anyway. Dear, dear, indeed. We learned this week that Liz Truss was... Not under a desk. Uh, we learned that Liz Truss was going nowhere. I am a fighter and not a quitter. Until it turned out she was... A quitter! But ultimately, we learned that when it came to politics, when it came to policy, when it came to people, Liz Truss was... Wrong! 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 enough to bring a tear to the eye, isn't it? That's what we learned in the past 45 days. Right, now it's time for this. The Columnists with Formel, James Forsyth and Melanie Reid on Times Radio. Oh, what are we possibly going to find to talk about? Morning, James Forsyth. Morning, Matt. How are you? I'm very good. Morning, Melanie Reid. Morning, Matt. Uh, I'll be honest, James, I'm a bit demob happy. I'm on holiday next week, so someone else can frankly sort this out. Uh, What's going to happen? James. Yeah, so you're away next week. I'm away you're, next you're, week. You're missing all the excitement. Mm, excitement is a world word, folks. What do you think is going to happen? What, when, I, when I'm back from the holidays, James, who's going to be Prime Minister? So I think the, the most interesting question right now is can Boris Johnson get to 100 nominations or not? Um, I think if he gets to 100 nominations, 
he the, the dynamic of the race will change. He will be confident that he, the members from there, and if he can get from the members from there, kind of all bets are off. Um, but I think the kind of question is whether he can get to that hundred nominations or not. That is that is the most important question right now. I think. Uh, and how how confident do you think he'll be? And if he if he's struggling, I mean, so far I think that we are listed. We've got up to about twenty eight have publicly said they're backing him. Given that dozens and dozens of people not only said they didn't like him very much, but literally resigned from his government only a couple of months ago, is it realistic that he could lead the current Conservative Parliamentary Party? Well, uh, Tory leadership re- elections, kind of, you know, when the whistle goes, all sorts of kind of odd things happen. I-, I think there are. I think it is not impossible. I think that you know he is courting the right of the party hard, and, and it isn't quite clear at the moment who is getting most of their support. Uh, and I also think that there is a, there is an element here which um, you know that, that that people say you know you, you always. That you always want your successor to, to to not make a particularly good job of you to make to make you look good. I, I think there is an element here that he is his allies are pointing out to people. Well, look, when Boris Johnson left office, the Tory Party were you know only a, only a, 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 you know not that much behind Labour in the polls. It was relatively normal for midterm. The Tory Party is now thirty odd points behind. So why don't you go back to Boris? That that's the argument they're making. I think some Tory MPs say, well, hang on a second. We did, you know, Boris Johnson had to had to leave office because you know most of his government was resigning, and also it was widely expected that if the, the nineteen twenty two committee were about to change the rules, and Boris Johnson would then have um, kind of comfortably lost an unconfidence vote among Tory MPs. So I think it's a kind of competing question of whether the polls kind of wipe out those memories or not. Many, what have you made of this week? <laughs> you, you, uh... James's column this morning makes his lovely point that um, politics has become like um, a you know a box set. Um, every week the drama has to get faster and more sensational and stupid, and the narrative is just is just is just you know absolutely incredible. And uh, the point I was going to say was that we we all need to be a bit more like Borgen. and um, we we need to calm right down. We need to stop this. Um, the only sane person, the only sane, the, the, if you're not in the Westminster bubble, you look at this, the only sane person should be Sunak to calm the markets, to, to bring some sense back, to, to give us a chance to uh, rebuild the economy. I mean, frankly, who cares what happens now at the Conservative Party, as long as they can produce some, st- some stability to, um, to, to, help, to help the country back to a, a decent situation before the next next general election. I mean that that that's my kind of I'm I'm sort of I've gone beyond the the excitement. It's just dreadful now. Um, J- James is Rishi Sunak ready for that? I mean, you know him well. We've talked before about how you, you've known him for a long time. Has he sort of rethought over the summer his approach to the last campaign uh, and what he might do in this one? I mean, bearing in mind it is what about tenth of the length. Yeah, it's obviously a different nature of a campaign because it's much shorter. I think it is also inevitably going to be much more focused on the economic situation than the last one was because the economic situation is is so much worse now than it was when that campaign took place. Uh, I, I think the big question is, uh, as Melanie says, you know, what 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 do what 
do Tory MPs think just happened to the economy? And why do they think it happened? And I think that, that what they think on that in some ways is the key to unlocking the result of this contest. Because to my mind, I think what we saw there is that what Rishi Sunak was warning about over the summer um, was correct, that, 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 that we, are in a, in a, we, are in a, we are in a new economic era where the markets are much more reluctant to lend lots of money to governments at low rates. And that basically is going to enforce fiscal conservatism and fiscal discipline on governments. And, you know, I think that Rishi Sunak is, is going to be better at navigating his way through that than the other candidates. Now, look, you know, you, look, I have known him a long time, but I was also very struck by something from Simon French, um, who uh, writes a, a column in the Times Business section on Mondays, pointing out that, you know, actually, that calming the market makes the fiscal choices facing you less unappetizing. Because if the markets have confidence in you, borrowing becomes a bit cheaper, and therefore the black hole in the public finances that you have to fill becomes smaller. So that there is a material benefit to having a prime minister who has that confidence of the markets. And I think that when you look at the, the three likely contenders, I think he is the one who would reassure the markets most. And I think the one who has the clearest idea of how to, to steer our way out of the current economic situation we find ourselves in. Is it literally just the three of them, as we've been discussing, uh, Paddy Morden, Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson? Is there anyone else who could come through uh, that? I think, this, I think this 100 MP nomination bar... Yeah. Uh, makes it quite hard, um, and, you know. To, for, for you know, I think if the, if the nomination bar had been set at say fifty, I think you know, uh, Kemi Badenoch and Suella Braverman might well have been able to get fifty nominations. I think that you know, Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden both got more than a hundred votes in the final round, in the final parliamentary round last time round, and you know. Boris Johnson as a former prime minister, you know, he has a, you know, by, by definition has a good chance of getting 100 MPs to sign up for him. I think anyone else will struggle to make the 100 nomination threshold. Uh, um, well, the, the, the one we haven't talked to discuss, Manning, I, I suspect it's the one you've been thinking uh, solely about, is the, uh, the, the, the rumoured run by Brandon Lewis. <laughs> No, please go away. That's going. That that's that's in the thick of it. Okay, friends that's not Borgen. Friends of friends of Brandon Lewis were letting it be known that he was considering throwing his hat in the ring. You see, this is this this is the the surrealness. That, that, <laughs> yeah. It, do you know, if you watched Question Time last night... The, I did. The audience, yeah, well, the audience were unanimous. There should be a general election now. I mean, and the question I kind of... I'd like to put to you guys as experts is, which is going to cause the most chaos? More, more, you know, a, a prolonged and, and bizarre and, and a completely chaotic uh, Tory uh, leadership contest now or a general election? You know, which do we need for the greater good? Which is going to, which is going to put us back, put the country back into a better shape? Well, I suppose the question is that if are we, is it now an inevitability the Conservatives massively lose the next election? In which case, let's get it over with. Yeah. Or is it possible that I mean, Matthew Paris's column uh, seems slightly eccentric at the weekend? But he basically, last Saturday, said it was possible that Liz Trust in number 10 would be such a short-lived thing. It might be just a blip that could be wiped from the memory of everyone. And, you know, two years of Rishi Sunak in number 10 
could get the Tories back and competitive again? Look, I think it's a, it's a narrow path, but I think there is a path there. Because I think actually, in some ways, when, the, the, the fiscal discipline that has been imposed by markets now yeah. sits more naturally with the Conservative Party than the Labour Party. And obviously, this trust could have made this argument. But, you know, it, it, there is now an argument that, 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 that if Rishi Sunak was the leader, he could make it the next election, which is to Labour, which is, hang on a second, you've got to explain how you pay for all of these day-to-day spending commitments. Because we have just seen what happens when you make a... Oh, we've lost it. Explain how you're going to pay for them. I think we got the we managed to get the gist up. But just before I let you go, uh, Melly, let's talk about the the naughty step. <laughs> this should all be on the naughty step. This is a story. Um, 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 there's an anguished debate in France about claims that the naughty step is actually really, really damaging to children, uh, and that it, it constitutes a violent punishment. Uh, and misbehaviour is a sign of inner turmoil, and instead, a child needs company. So nobody should ever be put on the naughty step. No child should ever be put on the naughty step. And um, I just, it, it somehow seems, this, it, it seems to be a rather startlingly lovely analogy for where we are at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, it, it, it's I, I nice that France has got so little going on that they've got the capacity <laughs> to discuss such things. I think the thinking chair is a better phrase than the naughty step. The thinking chair, that's nice. Yeah. Maybe Boris, that, no, yes, Boris yes. Johnson needs to go and sit on the thinking chair and not come back until he's done some thinking. That's really nice. Um, uh, listen, lovely to speak to you both, uh, as ever. Many to read in James Forsyth. James's column is in The Times today. Many will be in the Saturday magazine tomorrow. I will be in The Times tomorrow. Uh, my normal Saturday column will be online, actually, normally from five o'clock. I need to finish writing it. Uh, um, Nick says, marvellous giggling from Melanie Reid, uh, invoking Borgen, uh, talking about Brandon Lewis, uh, <laughs> the naughty step for children, the whole state of the Tory shambles. Uh, and uh, somebody else, uh, Paul in Faversham texting, where's Raymond Chisty? We need him now. It's a good point. James Forsyth and Melanie Reid then, of course, you can read them both in the Times of your week. Just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, it's Ben Elton. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast. Now it's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Ben Elton is a comedy legend, I think it's fair to say. The compare of uh, Friday Night Live. He and his friends were the first to bring political and socially aware comedy onto our, our television screens. It was essentially an alternative club night 
on the telly. Well, tonight, Ben Elton and Friday Night Live return for one-off 40th, 40th anniversary special at 9 o'clock on Channel 4. So, just a couple of days ago, Ben Elton popped in to record a chat uh, about comedy and politics. I mean, quite a lot has happened in the meantime, but hopefully it'll still all make total sense. So this is what happened when I sat down with the absolute legend, Ben Elton. So Ben, we've got uh, the Tories crashing in the polls, the pounds crashing. (laughs) Uh... Sorry, I shouldn't. No, it's not funny. It's not funny. But, you know, what better way to complete the sort of 1980s, 1990s tribute act than the return of Friday Night Live? Absolutely. And we've got apparently an unbending, non-you-bending female Tory Prime Minister, except unlike the last one, this one does does seem to bend bend quite a lot. lot. Uh, All week, people have sort of been saying, oh, Ben, I bet you're so happy to be coming back this week, you know, with this extraordinary car crash of of, of a a, a set of self-inflicted wounds. I, it actually, on every level, it's not actually great. Not least because people are looking at g- genuinely increased hardship uh, as winter approaches. But as a comedian, this level of dysfunction is extremely hard to satirise. I keep thinking, can anything get more sat- unsatirizable? You know, after the, the the Johnson years and the Trump years. But but now I, I really don't. It's quite hard to find a way in. Not least because when I was having a go at Mrs. Thatch, it was kind of a legitimate target because she was supremely powerful. The media were behind her. Her party worshipped her. Ladies and gentlemen, we know that they are thinking of televising Parliament, which is a good thing because it means we're finally going to get some decent comedians on the television. But Mrs. Thatcher. Of course, Mrs. Thatch was against televising Parliament, which was extraordinary because the bill got through. For the first time in history, the Tory party voted against the boss. They finally had a bit of bottle. It's funny how they develop minds of their own when there's a chance of getting on telly, isn't it, eh? Having a go at Liz Truss, I mean, even her own party <laughs> seemed to be slagging her off. So, yeah, look, it's going to Friday Night Live tonight. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a fantastic show and I've got plenty to say. But it takes a bit of thinking about it. It's not as big a satirical own goal as you would think when, you're, when, when your target is, is screwing up at the level that currently the government is. And I suppose the key thing is at least it's live. So you'll know who the Prime Minister is when you well, go on. This is, of course, one of the jokes I shall be, I shall be <laughs> delving. I mean, looking at, checking the news just to check I've got the right target and I'm not ready out of date. Uh, yeah, it is live. And that does make it exciting on every level, not just because... News cycles now seem to move faster and faster, and I guess it, we could find ourselves responding to an event. I mean, who knew? I, I mean, when Kwartang went at the beginning of the week, that was a genuine shock. I just, it was last Saturday. Last, last Friday, Friday. Last exactly. Friday, yeah. I know because I've just directed a little workshop of a musical I'm planning. We we're all full of it, and it was all our heads were in this show totally. And then everyone's going click, click, zing, zing, ping, ping. The Chancellor's result. What? You know, so, yeah, who knows? We are live and we might even be responding to live events. But one thing's for sure, we'll be given the best comedy as ever that we can possibly deliver. So let's talk about the, the sort of the history of Friday Night Live. Born mm. in the 80s on Channel 4, why why has it not had the sort of long-running thing that Saturday Night Live in America has had? In the same way that we don't... We seem a bit squeamish sometimes about well, satire. Well, it was never... The, 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 the coincidental name thing, I never liked that. I yeah. want to call it the big gig or something. I mean... You know, Saturday Night Live is a venerable... I don't quite know why it's still considered so cutting-edge. It seems to me so tired and has been for decades. But, you know, I don't slug off other... There's great talent on it. But 
you know, it was always a sketch show. The idea was it was a sketch team and a star host. And that was the original idea for Saturday Live in 85. That was junked almost immediately. And we very quickly morphed into basically a club gig, yeah. a big gig. We're a live cabaret gig, new comics, couple of famous comics, couple of bands. You know, maybe we'll have a special act. I remember we, we had this old lady tearing up newspapers. She was brilliant. It was a strong three <laughs> minutes and people loved it. You know, all the punks, they go, oh, I don't know what. And then they loved it. Um, so, firstly, we're a very different show. The reason it didn't run forever is because it actually, it consumes so much material, uh, for me as compare. And I do think with a live gig, the show kind of is defined by the compare. I mean, you look at Tommy Trinder and, and uh, Bruce Forsyth on the Sunday night that underplayed him. Of course, you know, people think, blimey, that's going back 50, 60 years. But those were shows that really impacted. And I think Saturday Live and Friday Night Live really impacted. And Part of that was the core team, and you know I'm very proud to have been the compere and sort of set a style. At the time, there was a lot going on. It was eating up material, goodness knows. So we did three series, and I, I stopped. Since then, I've often tried to get BBC or ITV, Channel 4, to do a new live cabaret show, hopefully with me presenting. And, and frankly, my time had gone. You know, like I'd, I'd, you know, I'd gone out a bit out of fashion, to say the least, in some ways. Uh, and I didn't get the gig. But now I'm sort of venerable and, you know, it's kind of you know, <laughs> heritage, heritage compare. Heritage well, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's quite nice because I was always introducing new acts. But when I was doing that the first time around, I was a new act. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm kind of bit of a bit of a granddad comic and that's quite a, kind of cool because we're going to have a few of the old acts on but we're going to have lots of new cutting edge acts on as well. I mean it's not like you haven't been busy in the meantime. I have been very busy. Writing sitcoms, plays, 16 books. novels, eight number ones, counting them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how going back and I know obviously then COVID, you know COVID of the last couple of years meant that you weren't able to do the tour mm. you know you eventually went back to doing the tour how does it feel getting back on telly doing live satire yeah I was I was away from stand up for for, for well over 15 years yeah. and that was because I was a dad I didn't didn't need the money I didn't I wanted to be at home be a part you're away for six months when you're on tour and I did it in 205 I missed six months of my very young kids lives and I didn't want to do it again I didn't have to so I was away a long time. Then I decided to go back on the road in 2019 and bumped straight into COVID. So it was a kind of weird comeback, so to speak. But I loved it. I mean, after 15 years, that was a lot of accumulated frustration. And the world had also changed beyond recognition. I mean, changed more than in the whole of the rest of my previous life. I mean, the, I, I used to say, you know, the last time I taught, I was smarter than my phone. I mean, you know, the, the technology and the Internet and the smartphone had changed the world and I, the whole point was that I, I, I no longer, when I used to tour, I kind of was the know-all who kind of, you know, this is what I think, this is what, and I'm suddenly back on the road not understanding anything. It's, and I'd say I'm getting stupider with hindsight because the stuff that I don't get now is actually messing with the stuff I used to think I did get, like with gender and identity and, and, and whether the United Kingdom is a United Kingdom and are we European and everything is in, in flux. You know, I'm a comedian in, shall we say, a later stage of my career. And yet I've never been satirising a more changing world. It's almost like everybody's 21 because every day seems to be a new start. All the parameters have been reset. So it's a great time to be a comic and I think a great time to be a satirical, politically aware one, as I've always attempted to be. So, yeah, exciting to get back on the road and be doing it again. And, you know, I did that tour. It was a big, you know, it seemed to go very well. And now we're on Friday Night Live. And you, you talk about not needing the money. It strikes me you get a lot of stick for... Uh, you know, the right didn't like you for criticising Thatcher, you were a great big lefty, but then the left didn't like you because 
makes it you ended up being too successful. I used to, honestly, I've been doing that gag for 35 years now, you know, being called a hypocrite. What, vote Labour and can still, can still own clothes and food, you know. <laughs> um, you know, having a, hopefully having some kind of social conscience, believing that we are a community, that we are a welfare state in as much as we try and help each other, I don't think precludes you from also having a successful life. I never pretended to be a communist, but I'm definitely a lefty in terms of Clement Attlee, NHS, welfare state, uh, social democracy. Yeah. But, but, but out of selfishness, I always say the same thing. You know, you don't want to have had a lovely meal, maybe have a bottle of champagne in a nice restaurant. You walk out of the restaurant and there's someone literally sitting in the doorway. That ruins your night. I mean, if you even for somebody relatively heartless, and I don't think I am, that's got to bring you down. Well, I'd far rather pay a bit more tax and work a bit harder, in, you know, in a social context. So that that didn't happen. You know, with respect, homelessness was not something we encountered until the 80s. I mean, that was something you found out when you went on, on foreign holidays. That was when beggars were hassling you in the street. And then suddenly in the 80s, for the first time in Britain in my lifetime, we encountered like mass homelessness, doorways full of young people. And, and frankly, you know, I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd certainly rather have a vote for a party and pay the taxes and make the contribution to get that. You know, a lot of your listeners will go, oh, it's all very well for you. You're doing very well, Mr. Eldon Archibald. <laughs> well, you know, I'm doing all right, but I think, uh, I think I'll sleep easy. And uh, anybody who wants to give me some stick, well, they'll be getting it back. Anyway, talking about the budget. <laughs> what a fabulous budget, eh? All the commentators saying an intelligent budget, a thoughtful budget, a clever budget. Brilliant, eh? We've got four million unemployed. What a they done? Put the price of fags up. I mean, that'll solve it, won't it? That'll solve everything out. You know, if you're a family with two children, you're eight pence a week better off. You know, it's really crucial stuff, isn't it? You know. But I know why they're taxing fags. Oh, yeah. I know why they're taxing fags. That's very clever, taxing fags, because you only smoke when you're tense and nervous. And the longer this government stays in, the more tense and nervous we're <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly there's plenty to go out with the with the Tories right now. What do you make of, of Keir Starmer? Does it does it matter that Keir Starmer barely knows, doesn't seem to even know as if he knows what a joke is, never mind know how to deliver That on? wouldn't matter to me at all. I actually met him twice, and he's very, as often happens, very personable. Yeah. You know, uh, actually seems to... You always think, why, can't, why doesn't that come across? But frankly, this idea that you've got to be likeable, yeah. I think, without exception, the man who's mo who has most undermined our respect for our political system, our judicial system, the checks and balances which keep our community civil, was Boris Johnson. And he the appeared because he... The, the ultimate likeable bloke. bloke. Yeah. But he believed in nothing. He was prepared to trash anything. Literally, you know, suddenly... You know, judges that believe parliamentary democracy had to have some rules were called enemies of the people overnight. So the idea that likability in that... Clement Attlee... Look, you, the two greatest British prime ministers of all time for me were consecutive. Churchill and Attlee. And a lot of people don't realise that Attlee worked very closely with Churchill in the Second World War administration. So the greatest war administration was Churchill's and the greatest peacetime administration was Attlee's, which gave us the NHS. And Attlee was you know, considered a dull man. You know, Churchill's famous joke, uh, uh, an empty taxi draws up outside number 10 and Clement Attlee gets out. But he said it out of fun because they worked very closely yeah. and had great mutual respect. So, no, I mean, if, if what we want now is sensible and, and clear-thinking politicians with vision and principle. And one of the th my jokes now is that, much as I loathe everything Mrs Thatcher ever said and did, I did at least respect her as a politician of genuine principles. There's some very bad language on telly the other day, but it didn't matter, because it was in French. 
Jacques Chirac, the Prime Minister of France, was at the EC and he said a rude word. A rude word to Mrs. Thatch. Said something like, Coulion. Coulion. Now we have had it translated and we can't tell you what it is because it's rude. All we can say is they normally come in pairs. Mrs. Thatch doesn't have any, but she's got the country by them. That's all we can say. He had a theory, had an idea, and followed it through. And this idea, like the Trumpian, Johnsonian idea that basically you're just kind of a flippy floppy leader. I mean, Trump could have been a Democrat if they'd have made him president. Of course he would. He'd be pro-abortion if that would have got him to a base. Uh, you know, just as Johnson decided he was no longer a European because he saw a chance. The idea that politics is just a vehicle for the naked, venal ambition of show-off individuals with an, an easy line to their base is a very modern one. And I don't think Churchill or Attlee or Thatcher would have recognised it. Watch out, it's going to happen. The bill says that they're going to have a go at anything that a reasonable person could find offensive. What is a reasonable person? Is it someone who sits at home counting the swear words on the telly? No. I think that if they're really worried about obscenity, they should worry about real obscenities. I mean, while Ben Hill's chasing the girls round the car park, there's girls who are scared to walk out at night after dark because there's no street lights. So... Let's talk a bit about, you, t you, you mentioned about how the world is changing, you know, there's, there's, mm. a, there's a new debate the whole time. Um, cancel culture, trigger, well, there's trigger warnings now on the young ones. On Well, they say there is. I'm, I'm not altogether sure. I mean, you've got to be a little bit careful with the Daily Mail editorials. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't think it's, uh, I, I've been, political correctness, people blame, used to blame me for it. <laughs> Some people think I'm the godfather. Apparently, I killed Benny Hill, did I, hell? I mean, we all get our chance. I've been waiting 30 years to get back on the telly. He had a very good run, and quite frankly, it got a bit tired and boring, that yeah. format. Uh, and anyway, Thames Television weren't, wasn't listening to 25-year-old comics like me. He, he got sacked because he got sacked. But PC, for me, on the whole, it's just really the world is just what's happening, recognising that the world is different to the way you thought it was. I always say that... With political correctness, you know, the very, the very basic freedoms that we now consider sacrosanct were once considered PC gone mad. You know, abolish slavery, give women the vote. Are you out of your mind? I mean, certainly we should perhaps be a bit nicer to them. But, you know, I mean, seriously, on the whole, uh, political correctness, cancel culture, it's a big beat up. Yeah. Having said that, yes, there are, there are social changes now, which are certainly surprising and hard to navigate. Certainly, I think if you're over 25... You just got to think about it. I mean, mostly it's about having respect for the other person's point of view. That obviously kicks both ways. Yeah. And in our modern Twitter world, sometimes the radical people you'd like to be supporting are being so f uh, in your face that you want to say, "Whoa, give me a second to think about this." I just, you know, I want to have, I want to go through this before you tell me what to think. Having said that, on the whole, no, I don't think uh, cancel culture is remotely threatening comedy. Uh, I just did 150 dates. I said exactly what I wanted. But as ever, I thought hard about what I was saying exactly before right. I said it. I'd, have you been following the, uh, the Graham Norton saga of the last uh, week or so? He basically passed comment on, I think, John Cleese and J.K. Yeah. Rowling, and now he's off social media. Because he basically just said, I mean, to a large extent, what he said was, speak to some other people about this. You know, John Cleese has clearly not been cancelled. He's just got a telly show on GB yeah. News. Uh, what do you think about it? is that because you're not on social media right? Do you, well that's do you the avoid answer it to it mate uh, I, look I'd love to be on it because I'd love to be able to tell people I've got a gig out I'd love to be able to tell people I'm on Friday Night Live might not have to do these interviews if I was on social media well, I'm glad you're not not that, not that I don't love to come in and it is of course a delight well you know it's nice to I, I like a good interview yeah. but 
for my own sanity, I have I avoided it. I could see from the start. My I thought I'll just be in a constant essay crisis or or or, or sentence crisis. Yeah. I will spend my life trying to think of the rebuttal. I mean, I I. I've been getting slagged off all my, you know, I've been getting like trolled long before there was a social media. And the idea of literally putting your head above the parapet and saying, here I am, I'm actually asking for it this time. So having been trolled in the old media for about 30 years, I thought I'm not going to walk into this new. Uh, and interestingly, is everybody now gets trolled because everybody's on the media. Yeah, so yeah. on the, look, it, it can be a great vehicle for debate. And I would love in many ways to be on Twitter so I could, you know, say a little thing I thought or even rebut something somebody said about me. But oh, my God, it's a dark chasm to walk into. And for my own sanity so far, and nobody can believe it, I keep getting all the, you know, I, I do a bit of work for charity, as I, but I never talk about it. They're always saying, can you put this on your socials? And I say, when are you going to remember? <laughs> I haven't got any socials. I don't know. It's a, nuance is an essential part of civilised debate. Nothing is simple. Brexit wasn't simple. The idea that it could be, whether you're either side, the idea that it could be reduced to slogans and, and Yabu sucks uh, is crazy. As I, as, as, I, as I said at the time, you know, this idea, oh, just get it done. It's simple. You know, divorce, any separation. Divorce is never simple. You would have thought Boris Johnson would have known that. He's left enough women. <laughs> and it turned out it was quite complicated. Yeah. Um, just finally then, looking ahead, do you think, uh, do you hope that Friday Night Live might come back permanently? They did it with the big breakfast, it's now back as a, per, as a well, thing Well, I'm weekends. asking, if, if any, if all of your readers, a few of them I hope have been pleased to hear, listeners, I hope they've been pleased to hear me, probably a lot of them are thinking, what's he doing on Times Radio? <laughs> um, I hope they'll all lobby Friday Night Live, uh, Channel 4, and say, what, what Britain needs is a live comedy programme bringing forward new comics, Having a go, the issues of the day, of course, if any government's in power is, is up for grabs and I'll have a go where whoever is in. Um, but a live show, TV, terrestrial TV can still do live. You can't do that on Netflix. This will be a proper event and you can be a part of it. I'd love to think they'd make a series out of it. But, you know, that's up to Channel 4. Currently, we are a celebratory one off. So let's see how we get on. Well, the news is moving so fast. You can, uh, you can only do it live. You couldn't possibly do a Netflix Absolutely. series based on politics right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and uh, interesting, they're doing The Crown. And it, it's funny, they're changing attitudes and the things we know and learn. I mean, that's beginning to look... I'm not even sure I'm going to be bothered now because, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, was, it was all right when it was history. Queen in 1950, that was fabulous. But now they're doing virtual current affairs. You're thinking, you're just another Daily Mail article in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In fact, John Major, because you, you know John Major a bit. A little bit, a little bit. And a, and a very deep, you know, he's the kind of Tory politician we need. Sensible, considered, nuanced, you know. I mean, I didn't agree with a lot of what he said, but, you know, yes, he's. I think he's a great bloke, yeah. Well, who knows, maybe he'll come back. Yeah, what, you never know. No, I think, unfortunately, the Tory party has jumped the shark to such an extent now. I'm not sure what their journey back is to sanity. Same as the Republicans in America. I mean, once you toy with that level of outrageous... Uh, you, you, craziness, you know, pursuing every soundbite or whatever. Uh, it's very hard to get back, I think. I mean, I can only hope they will. Yeah. Well, never mind there, come back. Your comeback is much more welcome. Uh, ben <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on Time It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 